morning, everyone. Welcome to church this morning. Great to be back in the building for all who are here. Um, for those who are joining us online, a warm welcome as well. We hope that you can stay with us all the way through to the end. Nobody needs to be getting up and leaving and running uh, to get a coffee in here today, okay? Because <laughs> we're not allowed to do that anyway. Um, but it's great to be in God's house. Um, if it's your first time with us, welcome. Uh, great to see you uh, with us this morning. And we're here to worship God. I don't know about you, but I, I miss us being together. There's something about when God's people come together. Yeah, we're restricted still. We're not, and we're, we're advised not to sing, so just so that we're aware of that. Um, but we're going to worship God nonetheless. And I hope that in, in your own time at home, you're finding those moments where you can worship God, where you can just let go in song and, and, and just praise Him in that way. Because I, I think one of the things that we're missing just now is that God inhabits the praises of His people. And when we begin to praise, then, then there's something happens. There's a transaction between heaven and earth when we praise God. And we're just, we've just been missing that dynamic. But, but there's also something that, that's missing when we're not together. We miss that fellowship, that being together, don't we? Even just seeing people's faces today makes a massive difference, doesn't it? And, and we can pray for each other and we can encourage each other. And, and just some of the things that we've been challenged by over the last number of months, over this last year, in fact. Can you believe it's just over a year since we did our first live streamed service? I, I remember that Saturday when we were practicing and trying to get everything set up, and it was just stressful. And then came Sunday, and we were all so really, really nervous. Um, and, and now we're, we're, we're kind of hopefully getting better at it. Um, but yeah, it's good to be together, good to be in God's house, and, and he is the one that's at the centre of our gathering today. Jesus is in the middle, and that's what's amazing. He's the middle. He's the glue that joins us all together. And so let's just pray to him. Sarah's going to lead us in a song, and then we're going to just read scripture and just um, get into God's word together. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you're here. Lord, we are so blessed to be part of this family called the church. And Father, we know that you are, the, you, you are our Father. Jesus is the head of the church. It's like he's our, our big brother. He's, he's the one that we look up to. He's the one that strengthens us. And he's the one uh, who gives us the words to say when we don't know what to say sometimes. And Father, we just thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, we, we just pray that you'd come and that you would move amongst us this morning. Holy Spirit, we, we recognize that you're at work in this world. And we thank you for that. And we just pray that we would experience your presence today. Father, we, we, we're here because we want to worship you. We're here because we love you. We're here because we're part of this wonderful family called the church. And so, Lord, we just pray during this service that you would just come and that you would inhabit our praise. Lord, we may not be able to do that the way that we would normally do, but, Lord, still come and inhabit our praise. And, Father, we just pray that we would experience your presence in this place, in Jesus' name, and for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's praise him.
is. Father, we thank you that your blessings are new every morning. And Father, we pray that you give us the eyes to see your blessings. Father, we pray that you change our perspective to stop looking perhaps at the problems. Father, to take our eyes off the problems and to fix our eyes on you because Father, you are far greater than any of our problems. And Father, we pray help us to focus on you. Father, we're reminded in the book of Hebrews to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, the one who makes it perfect. Father, help us to keep our eyes fixed and focused on you. Lord, that we might know the things that you want to say to us moment by moment, morning by morning, day by day, week by week. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to grow into all that you have for us. Father, as your children, Father, we just want to learn from you. We want to grow up into into being mature uh, sons and daughters in your family. And so, Father, we pray, help us. Even as we consider your word today, Father, help us to really hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name we ask. really funny these are all the little bits that get cut out when we're doing church online and it's pre-recorded um so it's really funny uh, going back to doing all this live again but great nonetheless so yeah um it's good to be here together good to be in god's house and uh, just one or two things i wanted to just share um on the monday mornings uh a number of folks from the church have been meeting to pray together on Zoom at 9.30. That will still be happening this week. On the Wednesday night, we meet together on Zoom again at 7.30. And uh, so that will be happening again this week. Thursday, 7 o'clock is Oxygen, uh, again online at the moment. And on Thursday night, we, I just wanted to do something a little bit different. And maybe we can have communion together uh, online. So it will be in Zoom, but uh, we'll try and maybe put that out through Facebook as well so that folks can join that way too. So there are communion things out, uh, should be out on the, the chairs. Take them away with you. And then we're going to do that on Thursday night as we just remember um, the Lord's Supper, as we remember when Jesus had th- that last moment with his disciples. And so that's what we're going to just try and remember on Thursday And then, of course, we've got Easter Sunday coming up. So for those of you who like getting up early, who likes getting up early? No hands going up online. Anybody like getting up early? A few people. Um, So at 6.30 in the morning, we're going to have a sunrise reflection. You know, for, that's, that's for those who are really hardy, okay? This is for the real Christians. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Um, no, but just a, a bit of time to reflect on Easter Sunday morning at 6.30 on this incredible thing called the resurrection. That's what I'm going to be preaching on uh, next week as well. So that's, that's coming up uh, next weekend. Of course, we've got the, the Sunday service in person. Can I encourage you to get booked into that quickly? It fills up really fast. Um, and for all who are part of the church or, or who are maybe watching this today, um, if we know who wants to be here, you know, by the reserve list getting filled up. There might not be space Sunday by Sunday for that, but as long as we know who's wanting to be here, then we can maybe uh, look at how we organize things to to try and accommodate uh, everybody in the church who wants to be here because I really want everybody to experience uh, what we're experiencing today. 
Um, so just to remind people, we are still uh, subject to all the rules and regulations. The cleaning was done on weddings, the, the electrostatic cleaning, all these things. We're still doing all this. We're still keeping an eye on everything and, and trying to make sure that uh, this is a safe place. I don't know if you noticed, but um, uh, as you came in, probably most people went totally past it, but we have a new ramp going out the fire escape to make it safe for people. So that's all been redone out the front there. So you'll, you'll see that later on as, as you're going out. And so, But that's all the announcements for today. I'm going to invite Aurelia up, and she's going to read from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from us. So up you come, Aurelia. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. May God bless this word. I just noticed how much I'm not needing to adjust that microphone, Aurelia. <laughs> Which is a, a sign that you're getting taller. And uh, I don't know if you've enjoyed the readings over the last few weeks. We've been trying to get some of the kids to do the readings for us. And, and I really appreciate you guys helping out today. Um, you guys are much, as much a part of the church as anybody else. It's not just a church for the adults, it's a church for everybody. And it's not just a church for the kids, it's a church for those who are retired and older as well. So just <laughs> felt it was worthwhile stating that as well. Sorry? I'm getting heckled from the front here. <laughs> um, so yeah, today I wanted to just think for a little while about who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've thought about Elijah, and we've thought about Eli Elisha, or is Elisha. We were just having a wee chat about that there. We need to work out the proper pronunciation. But what's striking about both of these prophets from the Old Testament is the way that they saw miraculous provision and multiplication. I don't know if you've kind of ever thought about that. It's just incredible to see what these guys did. Also, in the, the story that we read about Elijah, how he saw the resurrection of a boy and how that, that miracle, all those hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, pointed towards um, a greater miracle, which was the resurrection of Jesus. And we also brought out this whole thing about the interplay between uh, God and, and people, how the miraculous is often outworked through, through people. And the only way, that, this, is, this is the important thing, the only way that miracles can happen is if God is in the mix. By, by definition, a miracle is something where God is involved. It's something where the divine is involved, where something outside the natural order of things comes in and changes the natural order. So, um, 
you know, I, I can take a couple of pills for my, my pains, right, okay? For those of you who have noticed, I'm kind of hobbling about a bit still. I, I take some medication for that to reduce the pain. That's just natural. That's what the medication does. But there are moments where we pray and God does something incredible. I, I remember a, a time when uh, Mary was really struggling with this really bad headache. And I remember saying, well, we need to pray for you. So I laid hands on her and began to pray for her. And as I was praying for her, I said, how are you doing? She says, that's really strange. The pain's now in my neck. And I thought, oh, okay, that's strange. So then I prayed for her again, laid hands on her, began to pray for her. I says, how are you feeling now? She says, that's really strange. The pain's in my arm. And I'm like, hey. So we prayed a third time, and on that third occasion, I said, how are you doing? She says, the pain's gone. I thought, that's, that's really strange, eh? A miracle, something happened when we prayed, and there was a miracle happened. And it was funny that it happened over a period of time. It wasn't just one prayer, but it was a few prayers. And, you know, it was just an incredible experience. But there, there are other times where I've prayed for headaches and other things, and we've not seen a miracle and that's part of the mystery of the way that God works. You know, sometimes we don't always see a miracle when we pray. And, and that's just kind of part and parcel. And last week I talked about as being empty jars, you know, jars of clay, and, and how the empty jars are an opportunity. And I, I still believe that. I still believe, believe that we are an opportunity for God to do something uh, through us that's miraculous. And part of the difficulty that we have is accepting this thing that in the world you will have trouble. Let me put up the scripture. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Whether we're praying and seeing the miracles happen or not, God is still with us. Jesus has told us that in this world we'll have trouble. Oh, joy. Who's ever put that verse up on their fridge? <laughs> or in their mirror when they're in the bathroom in the morning. In this world, you shall have trouble. Today, you may have trouble. Um, it's not necessarily a very popular one. But, you know, I, I just kind of thought about, in this world, you will have trouble. You know what it's like. You know what I'm talking about. How, you know, from the very day we're born, we, we have trouble. There's things that are part of our lives, and we have trouble. And, you know, I just kind of thought about it as being like jars of clay. I don't know about you, but for, if maybe for those who are old enough, you might remember these characters. Um, I think it's Morph and Chad. Um, and, and I just kind of thought about, you know, these kind of like plasticine characters. They're all very neat. Um, I don't think I could do anything quite as neat as that. But I kind of thought, if, if I look at my life, my life is not so neat and tidy as this, because there are all sorts of things that come into our lives that make us who we are. Um, if you've ever used plasticine, you know, and if you've used plasticine in school, I was the type of kid who liked all the plasticine to be kind of neat and tidy. Like, I didn't like the plasticine getting mixed up. You know what it's like when the plasticine gets mixed up and you've got all these colors and it's just this mess, you know? And I kind of thought, that's, that's what my life has been like, though. It's been like the mixed up plasticine. And uh, all sorts of things that come into our lives that make us who we are, all the different influences, and, and we're left with all the memories of things that happened in the past, even things that are happening just now, all the things that are coming into our lives that we kind of think, I'd rather do without that, thank you very much. But nevertheless, that's what's happened. And in the middle of us, these jars of clay, and you've probably heard this phrase, there's a God-shaped hole inside of us that only he can fill. 
And I was just reading some stuff this week, and I thought, man, God is bigger than the universe. God is the one who created the universe, and so God is by by very nature bigger than the universe that we live in. And if there's a God-shaped hole inside of us, how big is that hole? And how much more difficult, if we think about that, think about it that way, is it to fill that hole? You know, I was kind of thinking about this. You could illustrate that by kind of taking something and kind of hole out the middle of morph and thinking that's his God-shaped hole. But, but that would be a really bad analogy because God is far bigger than that. He doesn't fit any of our molds. And so we have this God-shaped hole in the middle of us. And as I was reading, um, in fact, I was listening to an interview this week, Gordon MacDonald, the guy who wrote um, the book that I've been reading, uh, The Resilient Life, he wrote, uh, what's it called again? Ordering Your Private World, okay? Um, so he, in, in that book, he talks about an experience he had where basically life kept, uh, just kind of fell apart when he was in his 30s. And he says, how do you fill a soul and keep it filled? That was his question. That was his prayer to God. And it was him that could have probably got me thinking about the size of this God-shaped hole that's in us. And there's this verse, and it makes me think about people, whether we are Christians or not Christians, it doesn't really matter because this is what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. He has planted eternity. Sorry, I'll just put that scripture up there. He has planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose, in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot find out, comprehend, grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to the end. God has put something within us that longs for him, that only he can satisfy, you know. I think it's C.S. Lewis who talks about this. He says, if we feel thirsty, we want to quench that thirst with a drink. If we feel hungry, we want to eat something to fulfill that hunger. And he puts it this way. He says, if there's a longing for the divine, if there's a longing for God inside of us, then only God can fill that. But the very fact that we have that longing means that there is a God who can fill it. What's the point in being thirsty if there's nothing to quench your thirst? That would be an utter waste of time. And so he makes this point. Then I think about us, just these clay jars, empty vessels that God wants to come and fill. Listen to what Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says. It says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. You see, we're made of the same stuff as the earth, the dust, the clay, that Paul talks about. These clay jars were made of the same stuff as the earth. And that's an interesting thought, which has all sorts of connotations as I think about it, but that's for maybe another time. And I I just kind of think, you know, you guys are still growing. You're still growing up, aren't you? And once we get to that point where we stop growing up, we start growing out, don't we? (laughs) So we just keep growing on the outside. We keep growing on the outside, but... But on the inside, there is a continual growing process as well. Something about us should be growing on the inside. And who who are we becoming on this journey of life? And that's really what I just want to pause for a minute and reflect on. What growth is taking place inside of us morning by morning, as we talked about in that song? Moment by moment, week by week, what are we becoming 
And then this verse tells us, this passage that Aurelia has read for us today, that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit living within us, God living within us, this God-shaped hole that we have, and God comes and He fills that. And the more that we get out of our lives in terms of our old ways of thinking, our wrong ways of thinking, the more room we make for Him in our lives. Do you know, I was struck by, struck by, I wasn't struck by lightning, which is what I was thinking there. I was struck by a revelation. It was like lightning almost, just a little tiny ray of light from heaven this week. As I thought about this, and I thought, Jesus knows my name. I know we all know that, but something happened to me this week where I realized in a new way that Jesus knows my name. And Jesus prays my name. On a Wednesday night, we gather and we pray for many people in the church and beyond by name. Not just anybody, not just any Stevie, there's probably quite a few Stevies in the world, but this particular Stevie that's associated with that name, Jesus knows my name. And when he prays to his father, he uses my name. And so the things that I'm struggling with, I know that Jesus prays on my behalf. Something about that just gripped me this week. I was both humbled and awestruck at the same time. Jesus knows my name. This ordinary clay pot, if I can put it that way, this jar of clay. Jesus knows my name, and he prays for me. That was just amazing. And why is that important? Because Paul goes on to tell us why it's important. He says we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. How many people feel like that sometimes? Hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. And it makes me think about that illustration of the toothpaste tube. When you squeeze the toothpaste tube, what comes out? Hopefully toothpaste. <laughs> but when the squeeze is on, what is it that comes out of us? When we're hard-pressed on every side, but we have this force. And I'm not talking about the force, right? And I'm not talking, it's not a Star Wars reference, okay? Because that's a different kind of thing altogether. That's a different religion altogether, okay? We have this force called the Holy Spirit living within us, who when we are hard-pressed, the Holy Spirit is helping us to push back out and resist the things that are coming against us time and time again. I think that's amazing. I'm looking over here at a lady who's a a, a walking example of that, how the Holy Spirit comes in and helps you to press and to push back out and to be resili resilient in your circumstances. Hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. And you're here today, and praise God for that. I think it's just fantastic. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Imagine that, when doubts creep into our minds, but not in despair. When we're plunged into unfamiliar situations, not sure what to think. Somebody says something, we go, I never thought about that before. Hmm, there's a little doubt arises in my mind as I think about that. What does it mean? 
But yet, God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us and is giving us the answers and the wherewithal. And in the perplexity, who are you becoming? As we think about these things, as God changes us, who are you becoming? We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're on the run? You don't know who you're running from sometimes. As a Christian, you think, my goodness, what is this life all about? Somebody told me that being a Christian was going to be this happy, clappy life where we all just come together and have this big, wonderful party. And it doesn't work out like that. And we go, wow, it's not as easy as I thought it was (laughs) because we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. The Holy Spirit lives within us, and we experience sometimes the Holy Spirit through the body of Christ. We experience the Holy Spirit through each other. Did you know that? We are to each other the very hands and feet of God sometimes in our prayers and in our, in our intercession and in our encouragement. And I like that phrase. I think it's a Royal Marine phrase about not leaving a man behind. Um, there's a book which I want to read which is entitled, that's, that's the title of it, and it's a, it's a Royal Marine commando who uh, went on this mission uh, not to, to go out and fight, He's now retired from service, but he looks after another Royal Marine commander who's been injured and who's, got, who's struggling with difficulty. And the, the, there's two stories in this book. One is where they row across the Atlantic, um, which I think is incredible, two and a half thousand miles. And he tells a story because he doesn't want to leave a man behind. And I, I just kind of think, I look, at, I look at people and I look at what people are capable of and looking out for each other. And then I think about God, who's the one who lives inside us, and he never leaves us behind, never abandons us. Never, never, never is there a moment uh, when we're abandoned. And in those moments of persecution where we think everything's gone wrong, we know that God is with us in the persecution. Who are you becoming? We're struck down, but not destroyed. You know those moments when, if you've seen the Rocky films, and he's down on the deck, and the count starts, one, two, and you see the camera panning and the sweat dropping off him and the blood, and three, and he's still down in the deck, four, and then he slowly starts to maneuver himself back up, and he gets up and everybody cheers, and you're like, yes, he's getting back up. Here comes the moment, the killer punch. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And I think about those incredible examples. Have you ever felt like that when you're on the deck? It's like, here we go again, another punch, and I'm down on the deck. Have you ever felt like that? I've felt like that. And the count starts, and you're like, ah, I'm struggling to get back up. That's what I was like two Thursdays ago, <laughs> lying on the path, having come off my bike, struggling to get back up. One, two, shush. <laughs> but God is in us, and he helps us to get back up time and time again, even when we let him down. Paul goes on to say, we, carry, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That's incredible. I think one of the things that Paul is saying in relation to this, and I'm going to come to something else in a wee minute, is that we are by very nature subject to decay, just like the rest of creation. A time to be born and a time to die. That's what the scriptures say, and that's our experience. It's not really changed. But I also think that we will experience the life of God in our resurrection, the resurrection of our bodies as well. And that's something that we'll think about next week. 
Second Corinthians goes on to say, we, we jumped a few verses, we're into uh, verse 16 now, and it says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's Mary's, one of Mary's favorite verses in the whole of Scripture. Outwardly we think, what's going wrong? <laughs> Have you ever thought that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you go, whoa, <laughs> what? I started that way, and now I'm going that way, and things are starting to break and fall off and whatever. <laughs> and you just have those moments where you, you realize that outwardly you're wasting away. You're like, man, this isn't going to last forever. But there's something inside of us where we've been renewed day by day where God is doing something that will last forever. And even this physical body will be resurrected one day. We see that in Jesus, and we'll see it in ourselves, and there'll be a day where everything will become clear. Therefore, therefore, we do not lose heart. It's so easy to get disheartened, and I think that's why we need to encourage one another. I don't know about you, I need lots of encouragement. Keep it coming, please. But we need that morning by morning, moment by moment, where we need to experience the presence of God in our lives. And as the life of God is formed within you, there's new life. Just as a natural body needs fed and watered, and we're really, really good at that, so the spiritual body needs fed and watered as well. It goes on to say, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, the outward, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That thing that God is doing within, within us is eternal. I don't know about you. What do you think when you hear that phrase, light and momentary troubles? <laughs> Do you think that they're light and momentary? There are times where I look at life and I think, this does not feel light and it's not going away very quickly. Our light and momentary troubles really don't feel that way. But listen to this. I look at my light and momentary troubles and I compare them to the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he goes on to say to the Corinthians a little bit later on. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 27, this is what he says. And he's not boasting, by the way. He's just saying, this is how it is. This is how it's been for me. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That's cheering, isn't it? <laughs> Chances of death, high. Recovery time, long. No paracetamol. No cocodamol. <laughs> and in the words of Gimli, what are we waiting for? <laughs> bring it on. I don't think so. That's not how we feel. We don't feel, bring it on. I'm pretty sure Paul didn't feel that way either when he was experiencing these things. 
That's not the end of the story. Listen to this, verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. And he's still not finished. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. My goodness. That does not sound light and momentary. (laughs) And this is the same person who's writing these words, light and momentary troubles. It's the same person. And I think, far from it. I am glad I'm not Paul. Our light and momentary troubles, my goodness. The reality is, though, that we all experience trouble. We all experience trouble. What makes the difference is how we experience trouble and what is happening inside us when we experience trouble. How we experience it is different from experiencing it. It's how we experience that will determine how we emerge from trouble. Light and momentary, our troubles don't always last forever. Some people I know have ongoing struggles with health and these types of things. And it doesn't feel like light and momentary trouble. But how we experience the trouble will determine how we emerge from the trouble. Who are we becoming in the trials of life? Jesus said this to Simon Peter. Just in about this time uh, in relation to his his passion week. And he says, Simon, Simon, uh, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Jesus knew his name. And I think about this. I think Jesus knows my name. Jesus knows your name. And he's praying for you. He had prayed that his faith wouldn't fail. We know what happened to Peter. He says, oh, I'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll go right to the end with you. I'll die for you. Even when the, they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, Peter was the one who took out the sword and cut off Malchus's ear. And Jesus healed the man and said, put your sword away, Peter. And then after that, you know that he was trying to be beside Jesus. He was in the outer court and somebody said to him, are you one of those Jesus followers? And he goes, not me three times and then the cock crowed and then he went "Ah, I've messed up I missed it Simon, Simon Satan has asked to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail I am so glad that there is someday in heaven this man called Jesus who prays for me that my faith would not fail I read this in Pete Gregg's book God on Mute when Satan is sifting you Uh, Sorry, when Satan is sifting your life, tempting, attacking, and attempting to undermine your faith, sometimes instead of delivering you immediately from evil, Jesus will intercede for you in the midst of your trials. What an incredible thing, eh, to say. A statement that's born out of experience. God doesn't always deliver us from the trial. We don't always see the miracle that we're praying for. And we feel very much that we are just those jars of clay. And we think, what is happening in life here? But at the end of the day, we need to remember that Jesus knows 
our name. Jesus knows your name, and he prays for you. And then it goes on to say, our light and momentary troubles, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I think when we experience the reality of heaven, all our troubles in this life will be eclipsed by the wonder of God himself. And the swell of praise that rises from our voices in worship, when we experience that eternal glory, when we experience God face to face, it will be something that far outweighs every trial, even our blessings. I think it will outshadow our blessings. And I think our perspective will change dramatically. We all need to think about these things day by day, morning by morning, day by day, moment by moment, week by week, as we experience life together. And for some, I think those momentary trials may be uh, in the workplace. You know, it might not be the job itself that's challenging, but it might be a relationship with a coworker. Somebody that's alongside you that's challenging. Maybe somebody else is getting the opportunities that you feel you should be getting. Maybe you feel that your face doesn't fit. Does this resonate with anybody? (laughs) Maybe it's just the sheer volume of work and the time pressure that you're under. Um, Maybe you get ridiculed for your faith. Maybe people don't know that you're a Christian and maybe that's part of the problem. For some of you, it's trying to find a job. COVID, say no more. You're, you know, you're kind of thinking, where, where am I actually going to find the job? And for some people, you're, you're launching into a new phase of life, and you're looking at your future, and you're thinking, okay, how's this all going to work out? And there's all that uncertainty that goes with it. Some people have health challenges that you're living with every single day, and you think, well, where's God in all of this? For some, the challenges with getting older and the bits of your body that you think, they're just not working the way they used to. And the uncertainty that comes with all of that as well. We're all, in a sense, in the same place, but we're experiencing it in different environments in different ways. And I think one of the things that Jesus says to us through the Proverbs is, and it's one of my favorite scriptures, is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord completely. And do not rely on your own opinions, your own understanding. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead your every decision. Every decision that you make, God will lead you in it. Becoming, uh, sorry, become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. In all of the troubles of life, in all of the trials of life, in all of the uncertainty, he promises to be with us. He promises to develop his life within us. The question is, who are we becoming in the process? As we draw things to a close today, who are we becoming in the process? Life with all its variety, with all its challenges, with all its pain, and its pleasures as well. All these influences, all these things that make us that not-so-neat-and-tidy little morph character with all the mess of our memories and the things that have made us who we are today, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And God wants to come into that and to form his life in us. I love this passage 
in Galatians. Again, it's Paul who's speaking. And this is what he says. You are my, uh, sorry, dear children. I need to get somebody else to operate this for me. Um, You are my dear children, but I agonize in spiritual labor pains. That sounds great. Once again, until the anointed one, until Christ, the Messiah, is fully formed in your hearts. Until Jesus is formed in our hearts. Paul prays over these people. He agonizes over these people. If only, if only they could just get this little bit of revelation and see who Jesus is and what he can do for them, then it would change them on the inside. That's what he's saying. The Greek word that's used there for formed is the word morpheo. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Morpheo. I think it's where we get the English word morph. And let me read uh, what Vine says in relation to it. It is, uh, so it is used in expressing the necessity of a change in character and conduct to correspond with the inward spiritual condition so that there may be moral conformity to Christ. Until Christ is formed in you. Until Jesus is that dominant force in your life that you've been shaped into his mold, that God-shaped hole that's at the heart of us. The goal of every Christian is to become like Jesus in our home, in our family, in our community, in our school, our college, university, workplace, wherever it is. And really, there's only one kind of Christian. There's only one kind of Christian. The the church is divided as we look across the world today, isn't it? Jesus' prayer for the church in John 17 was that we might be one, that there might be unity in the church. There's so much disunity in the church, but there's only one kind of Christian, and it's the person who looks like Jesus. That's the only kind of Christian, the person who looks like Jesus. Jesus. When people look at our lives, do they see Jesus in us? Is he the dominant force in our lives, even when we're going through difficulties? Because sometimes that's what speaks louder than words. It's not how we experience the pleasures in life, but how we experience the pain in life. That's sometimes what speaks volumes, because it points away from ourselves to a hope that we have in a higher power, a higher authority, and his name is Jesus. The more I've spoken to the church, the more I've heard people saying, you really sound like your dad. I want people to say, when they see me, you really sound like your dad. You sound like your big brother. You sound like Jesus. And the things that you say, and not just the things that you say, but the way you say them. And the things that you do, and not just the, the things you do, but the way you do them. The, the motivation in your life for doing those things to start with. You look like him, because the reality is that there's a God-shaped hole in each one of us that only he can fill, and when he begins to fill that, then we begin to become like him. Do you know, maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life before, and I'm speaking to, I don't know who all I'm speaking to, I know who's in here, I don't know who's online, but maybe, maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life before, and he makes that invitation to you today to say, come to me. He's asking you to invite him into your life. And we can do that in just a little second. I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can pray it into your heart. And then I'm going to pray uh, a prayer over the church and over all who are joined in, whether, whether you're here in person or online. 
Um, something a little bit different this week. Uh, I'm going to just pray a prayer, which is a benediction, a prayer of blessing over the church. But let's just bow our heads for a moment. We're going to pray. And if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, then pray this prayer after me. Say amen. And if you really are in earnest in praying that prayer, then God, through the Holy Spirit, will come into your life. He will occupy your life. And he'll take you on this journey of becoming more like Jesus. So let's pray. Dear God, I recognize that there's a a gap in my life. And I've tried to fill that gap with so many things. And nothing has really satisfied that. So I invite you in today to fill that gap, to forgive me of my sin, and to make me a new person. That I might become new, morning by morning, moment by moment, day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just pray a prayer of blessing over the church. I've written this prayer down. I will put it online so that you can pray that prayer as well. For those in the workplace, will you bless them with faith and favor? For those struggling with isolation, loneliness, grief, loss, temptation, uncertainty, fear, anxiety, will you bless them with a fresh vision of Jesus and the peace that is beyond understanding? For those involved in education, would you bless them with wisdom, favor, and a voice, as well as the strength and courage to be the person that you call them to be? For those who are retired, would you bless them with strength for each day, that they may find meaning in the moments and your purpose as they continue to pursue their dreams? For those who struggle with physical health, Lord, Will you bless them with strength, inner strength of mind and spirit, but also strength of body? For those parenting children and young people, will you bless them with wisdom to navigate the multitude of challenges? For our children and young people, will you bless them with a clear vision of you and your power and the plan and purpose you have for their lives? Father, will you bless every heart with your presence in ever-increasing measure. Bless your church in this area and our communities with peace, unity, and love. And Father, we just pray that prayer. We commit that to you. And Father, we just speak blessing over everyone mentioned in that prayer. Father, you know each of us by name. Jesus prays for each of us by name. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to experience your presence. Father, that day by day, we would become more like Jesus day by day, that we would let go of the things which hold us back from becoming who you want us to be. The writer to the Hebrews talks about the sin that so easily entangles us. Father, help us to put that to the side. Father, to focus on you. Father, may we confess and repent and do all those things, but Father, we want to just experience your life in us. And so, Father, we just look to you. Lord, bless us as we go out into this week. Father, as we approach Easter, Uh, the Easter weekend. Father, may we uh, just discover you morning by morning in our our daily readings or whatever we're doing. And Father, we pray that you just reveal yourself in increasing measure to us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. So I just need to do one last thing before I go. (laughs) 
before you go, uh, sorry, thanks Josh, you wave. Okay. Okay. Great to have seen everyone today. The Lord bless you. And uh, Brendan will open the fire escape, which is the way that we need to just kind of go out and uh, have a great week. Great to see everyone. And if there's anything that you need, just give me a shout. Okay.